Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda. I'm Linda Davis. Thank you for joining me today. A little bit about myself before we get started. I love Jesus. I love coffee. And I love sharing both. So go grab your cup and let's talk. Today I have a special guest with me, my niece, Brittany Hawkins. Brittany is 26 years old. She has walked with the Lord her whole life, and in the last few years, she has come to a deeper place with the Lord as a young single woman. And today, her and I want to share her experiences and her walk to help other young women to walk as closely as they can with the Lord in a season of singleness in their lives, preparing them for what God has for them in the future. So, hello, Brittany. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm very excited <laughs> for this podcast. I'm excited to have you join us today. And I really want to uh, open up with our first question of um, really kind of focusing on our identity in Christ and then our identity as woman in Christ. And so would you say that young women today have their identities misplaced? I really love this question because it can go in so many different directions. And I think a lot of young women, especially in their faith, are taught that there's a certain way that they're supposed to behave. There's a certain uh, image that they're supposed to obtain. There's a certain look that they're supposed to have. And for me growing up, you know, you obviously know my background, but some listeners probably don't. I'm from Boston, which is an extremely career-oriented area of the country. And for me, from the, from the very beginning, I was taught that, hey, you know, church is great. Having, you know, going on Sundays is great, but maybe that's not your whole life. That's not your identity. And I kind of was always confused about that because I didn't understand how church and God and Christ could coincide with my day-to-day life and how it could really change me from the inside out into how I behave, how I treat people, how I think about myself. And I went to a small Christian college just outside of Boston called Gordon College. And this is a really important piece of my life because I played sports there. I got to know a bunch of different people who were also from similar backgrounds who went to church, but didn't really know what it meant to have a true identity in Christ. And when you're 18 to 22, that's really a huge part of your life where you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure out what you want, who you want to be, what you stand for, and what that really means to be a Christian that young and not to be out partying or doing all that crazy stuff. And kind of really what it looks like to walk in Christ. And my coach at Gordon always used to say, you know, we're playing for the glory of God. And I remember always hearing that and thinking that was so bizarre because I didn't really know what that meant. And and I didn't really understand or really recognize that until, you know, my late twenties. I'm granted I'm only 26, but recently in this quarantine, I really have had the time to think, you know, that my identity in Christ has really solidified how I behave, how I act, how I view myself, how I live my life. And I think it's super important for young women to have a true understanding as to who God really is and what the gospel is really about. And I do believe that there are some people out there who are sending the wrong message that Christ isn't a redeemer. Christ isn't 
full of love. Christ isn't full of compassion. And, you know, in my adolescence, I kind of grew up in that environment where I kind of felt that way. And that hindered me from truly embracing who God really is. So from my perspective, I do believe that a lot of younger women kind of battle this on a daily basis, especially for me, you know, on a daily basis, I still feel that way. I have to wake up and choose. No, God loves me. No, God forgives me. No, I don't have to live in that shame. No, I know who my identity is because the Bible says this. And I think once that really settles in your heart and you are willing to work on yourself in a really deep and authentic level and surround yourself with people who are going to remind you of that and hold you accountable to that standard, it really changes your perspective and it helps you solidify and truly believe that your identity is in Christ as it should be and what that really means, if that makes sense. That's fantastic. That makes great sense. Absolutely. So let me share this with you. Um, How you just answered that question completely leads into this and sets this up. I had a dream several years ago, uh, actually probably over five years ago now that I think about it. And I'm just going to share the dream and then we'll get into the rest of it because I really think the dream is um, you just interpreted the dream through your answer that you just gave. And then the rest of our conversation will also uh, expound on it. But so in this dream, our family was living in a temporary house while we were waiting on a home that we were purchasing to move into. And so in the dream, we're in this temporary house and I walk through the living room and there's a big picture window. And so For the listeners, this house was in Texas, and that's kind of an important part of the dream. So as I walk through the living room, I happen to see a penguin in our driveway. And that's why I mentioned we're in Texas, because you don't see penguins in Texas, right? Yeah, no way. (laughs) And so the other odd thing, and I know there's different um, kinds of penguins, but this was just your traditional a typical penguin that everybody looks, you know, just the basic black and white penguin and no fancy feathers, no none of that. And so, but the penguin was about waist height, another odd thing. They're not that big. And it was down towards the end of our driveway. So our youngest son, Josh, was home at the time. And so I ran to his room. And the funny thing is he happens to love penguins. And so I ran in his room and I, and was telling him, Josh, Josh, there's a penguin in the driveway. And so him and I go out to see this penguin and we just step out on the front porch just a little bit. And as we do, the penguin is leaving our driveway and starts walking down the street. And so I start calling to the penguin and I, and I somehow I know the penguin's name, right? Amy, Amy, and I'm yelling, Amy, Amy, and the penguin keeps walking. And I just keep screaming this name, Amy. And till this day, there's no Amy's in my life. I don't know anybody named Amy. So that really stood out to me when I woke from the dream. And so as I'm yelling the name Amy, this penguin turns around to look at me. And as it turns around to look at me, we realize it's actually not even a penguin. It's a little girl. Like there's this little girl's face inside a penguin costume. Like almost like, you know, a little girl out trick-or-treating and she's dressed as a penguin. That's what it looked like. 
And so she turned around and looked at me and started coming back toward the house. And as she did this, these two women come running around the corner of the street and they're like in jubilee, they're screaming, they're like, it's very celebratory. They're, they're excited, they're yelling, yay, yay. And then, so they're ahead and then behind them is a bigger group of women, probably about 30 or 40 women and everybody's in celebration. And Amy starts coming up the driveway and the two ladies that were in front of all these people are saying to me, you found her, you found her, you got her to come back home. And I woke up at that point. And so I couldn't quite understand the dream, of course, but the big thing that stood out to me was the penguin doesn't belong in Texas, right? It's out of place, it's, it's misplaced. And the girl's name was Amy. And obviously it was a little girl. And so finally, at the end of the day, I looked up what the name Amy meant because I really felt that was a significant point of the dream. And the, the, name, the name Amy, interestingly, translates out to mean my beloved. And so I was yelling, my beloved, my beloved. And, and you know, the Lord just really showed me that, that the, the younger generation is in an identity crisis. They don't know who they are and they don't know where they belong. And so it's funny because I was just sharing this dream three or four days ago with someone and I had forgotten about it, but identity came up and I was sharing that. And then of course you and I were talking about doing this podcast and you know, I asked you what you thought, what, what you thought would be a good subject and you said identity, yeah. <laughs> you know? So that's so awesome to me how the Lord pulled all that together. Yeah. And so I think that dream with all that you said answering that first question really pulls it together in a significant way. You know, there's young men too, but my dream was about young women. Young women, they like they've lost their identity. She's not a penguin. She's a young girl, right? Mm -hmm. And and she was out of position. She didn't know where she was. She, the penguin certainly shouldn't have been in Texas, you know. And so, um, there's something to really finding out who we are in Christ and what our position is in Christ. And so, kind of leading away from that. Um, that point and, and going to our next question to discuss, do you, Brittany, think who you may or may not find acceptable to date, to marry, is defined by society's pressures and even people's family pressures? So that's a, that's a really great question because I've been reading this book by a pastor named Michael Todd called Relationship Goals. And one of the quotes that I really like is there's more to relationship than what pop culture has taught us or what our own dreams or imaginations have evolved into. And I think that's really powerful because you, like you were just saying, a lot of girls my age have such identity problems and we're looking to all these different things to really fulfill it and to give us our purpose. And I truly believe that if you have a relationship with God, he's going to reveal things to you and he's going to mm. show you what's right and what's wrong. And, you know, for me, I am 
my early 20s, you know, I was dating and I just never really knew why it wasn't working out with certain guys. And I kind of, you know, I always used to be like, why? What's wrong with me? Like, why isn't it working out? Why isn't it working out? And in that time, I wasn't really serious about my faith. And I wasn't really being honest about how I felt emotionally, how I felt towards God, how I felt really about myself, um, how I was incredibly insecure, how I had no self-esteem because I haven't. I didn't have the time to really heal from various things that I'd experienced in my adolescence. And I think as I got a little older and not really until I hit, you know, 25, was I willing to really deal with those wounds and kind of evolve into the word of God and kind of allow myself to go through the hard points of really dealing with those things and healing from them where I can fully see in date, okay, this guy's this guy's great. Nope, he's not for me. And allowing your intuition, really, for me, otherwise known as the Holy Spirit, because mm-hmm. I do think the Holy Spirit is so natural, a lot more natural than people really give it credit yeah. for. I think it's something that's inside you that you you know God just really speaks to you, and you know. Like I was just saying, if you have a relationship with God, he's going to reveal things to you. And for me, I've always just kind of had really strong intuition towards certain things. And that's prevented me from a lot of heartbreak. And I'm really grateful that I've had parents and, you know, mentors and aunts and uncles who have really loved me and prayed for me and prayed for my protection that I would be able to get to this point of, you know, really strong emotional stability and confidence and identity that I would see, okay, this guy's for me. No, he's not for me. And it's protected Mm -hmm. me from a lot of heartbreak. And I, I do genuinely believe that a lot, a lot of younger women, especially my generation are taught, you know, social media is where you find your identity, what you look like on Instagram, you know, the the attention that you're getting from Mm -hmm. guys, if you have a ring or not right away, if you're having kids and as I previously explained, you know, I'm from the Northeast, so culture is totally different up there mm-hmm. when it comes to marriage and relationships than it would be in Texas, uh, which was kind of a culture shock for me when I first moved down here. I had just turned 25 and people were asking me if I was married with kids yet. And I just was like, what? What are you talking about? No way. <laughs> are you crazy? No. So I think for each person, it's just different. And I'm so grateful that I've had all these people around me who have built me up in not only in prayer, but also in their interactions with me and encouraging me and teaching me self-worth. So I didn't have to rely on the platform of social media or men Mm. to fulfill that emotional need that I do genuinely believe women are are created to need. You know, we're not meant to do life alone. And that's something that my pastor, Jeremy Foster, says all the time. I go to Hope City in Houston. He always says, you, you know, you're meant to do life in community. You're not meant to do it alone. And when you have the right people around you, I think it prevents you from doing a lot of stupid stuff. And in my personal life, it's it saved me from bad friends. It saved me from, you know, marrying the wrong guy, dating the wrong guy, doing stupid stuff. And I think women do struggle. I don't really know what the answer is more, but I do believe that, we have, we have to have better mentorship and we mm. have to do better as a whole. And for me, something that I've been challenging myself to do is really to tap into people who are older than me and kind of really do better at listening and learning from them and hearing their perspective and their stories. Because 
their perspective has so much value. And a lot of people that I've met just from listening to their life stories, it's made an impact on my self-esteem and how I live on a day-to-day basis. That's great. And, you know, there's a few things that I thought of, you know, as you were um, addressing the question. And I think that there's a difference um, with society pressures and family pressures and um, more so what should be important to us is our circle of influence. Sure. Not, not that you will eliminate family um, opinion, but um, definitely society pressures really need to be just completely set aside because those are irrelevant in one sense. They don't walk out. So with regard to marriage, they don't walk out your marriage with you. Even your family does not. You know, you want to listen to if they see some red flags, you know, but their opinion overall um, doesn't really matter because you're the one that walks out the marriage, you know. Um, but so there's a difference What I, as you were talking, and, and sometimes it can be a fine line. There's a difference between approval, like are we seeking approval from society? Or are we seeking approval from our family? And I think when a young woman is not healed from wounds that they've experienced in their life. And we've all experienced them for sure. We all have a, a healing process I think we have to go through as young adults. You know, some some have bigger wounds than others, but we all still carry them. And so if we haven't gone through that healing process, then we haven't begin to be confident of who we are in Christ. Like you were saying, have a, have a self-confidence, self-esteem is the word you used. Um, and just a confidence in the Lord. There's a difference between being confident in the Lord and arrogant. And so if we don't have that place, if we're not rooted and grounded, as Paul says, if we're not rooted and grounded in the Lord, then we're looking for approval about our relationship from other places. And so... Um, there's that line of approval versus accountability. And it sometimes it's a fine line, but like you were saying, you know, that the Holy Spirit, that discernment that comes in, you know, anything, um, you know, red, red flag related, uh, you know, like that somebody would bring up, we have to put it to prayer. We have to consider where they're coming from for sure, and then put it to prayer and ask the Lord to show us. I think, you know, I know quite a few young women uh, that have married and then uh, it's not been the right choice. And every single one of them that I've talked with afterward, they have all said there were red flags they ignored when they were dating. And so that's the thing of, and even some of them, other people did point them out to them, but they just chose you know, they were looking for that, I believe, they were looking for that affirmation that you're experiencing right now from the Lord. They were looking for that in their relationship. Yeah, and I think this book, Relationship Goals, has been really power- powerful to me because of that. And one of the quotes that he says that I really like too is, some people are so often trying to get a person without first understanding their own purpose. And mm. I think that's really special to understand because if you don't know who you are and you don't know what you stand for, you're just going to settle for less in every yes. single area of your life. Yes. And it's so dangerous to enter a relationship or friendship expecting that person to totally fulfill you and fix that wound that you have in yourself. And 
I really have been learning so much just from reading this because he talks about how in your single season, it's really a prime time where God reveals to you who you really are. And for me, that's what I've kind of been doing, you know, taking this time in quarantine where a lot of people I know from what I've seen on social media, are either just excessively drinking or doing right. this crazy stuff right. and not exercising, just, you know, not really doing anything to become better from it. And for me, when I entered into this season of quarantine, I had this thought, you know, I don't want to enter this uh, without any goals for myself and to have a vision. And I need to come out of this better than what I went into it as. And for me, I've learned so much about myself. And I do think that this time that I've had, because I've made the most of it, and I've really allowed myself to be in tuned with God's Word and the Bible, and just really listening to different podcasts available about, you know, stuff that I'm experiencing in my 20s, allowing God to move in my heart, I think, you know, I'm going to come out of this a thousand times better, a thousand times stronger, and more confident, more able, uh, you know, more sure of who I am. And I'm grateful for this time because this time of solidifying my identity and who I was created to be is going to be really powerful for me when I do eventually meet the right guy because I'm going to be fully prepared for that stage of my life. Right. And you and I have talked about this before, and I've said this to a lot of young women. Um, anything that we can deal with in our heart, our, our heart issues before we get married is just such an advantage. The more healed and whole you are stepping into your marriage, the less expectation you put on your spouse to meet places in your heart that he will never be able to meet. And so uh, women that are um, stepping into marriage and even committed relationships that, not that you're going to be perfect, nobody's ever going to step into it perfect, but uh, if you haven't allowed God to come in and heal those places in your heart, then you're going to put this expectation on your spouse to fill those places that he will never be able to fill or fix in you, and you set him up for failure. So it's such an advantage if you're a single woman, uh, like Brittany's saying, especially during this time of being slowed down, you know, really pursue working on yourself. Ask the Lord to show you the areas he wants you to focus on and begin to allow him to come in and heal those areas. And it's not easy for sure. You know, we're talking about it today, but but the process of it is not easy. And we just want to encourage you to stick with it for sure. Continue to walk it out and you will get to the other side and you'll be so thankful that you've done that when you get there and you experience that freedom that you didn't have before. Another point you made, Brittany, that was really great is the mentoring, the mentorship. You know, really kind of like uh, mothers and fathers in the Lord speaking into people's lives in a non-judgmental way, you know, and, and, and that's, that's a thing. I think young people um, stay back from it because they don't want to be judged, uh, that kind of thing. But in accountability is never a pleasant issue either. You know, <laughs> when somebody's calling you out on something, it's typically never a pleasant thing to even between spouses, you know, the first response is to get defensive most certainly. And so, 
Um, I think that that's something that even the Bible says, you know, that the older men should teach the younger men, the older women should teach the younger woman. And we've really kind of lost that. And I'm not sure if it came through a harshness where the older generation was more harsh to the younger generation and without just do it this way, just because I said, you know, or if I'm your mentor, you know, you're my servant. And that's not at all what mentoring comes down to. Mentoring comes down to issues of the heart. You know, let yeah. me help you process through your heart issues. So let's, let's switch to the next question. In, in a single season of your life, and then, you know, even, I, I guess, you know, even for people that are moving into a committed relationship, but, but we'll focus on the single season. But if you're moving into a committed relationship, I think what Brittany's going to share, you can still apply for sure. Um, how do you keep the balance of having that circle of friends, um, uh, outside relationships? And I know it's easier right now because we're in this quarantine, so we have a lot of free times. But so add, you know, for you, working and you're a coach. So then you have co coaching that you do. And so sometimes you're, you're going, you have long days and then you have friendships, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you, so now you also have your friendships. You have your um, circle of friends from Hope City, you know, and then you have your family and you have God. And so how do you keep all of that balanced and enough time set aside for God where he's the first one to fulfill your relational needs then the others are kind of um, accessories, so to speak? Well, I think it comes down to what really a priority is for you. And for me, you know, I'm very social. I do have a lot of friends. But, you know, when I moved to Texas, I really didn't know anyone. Mm -hmm. And I was super isolated. And it was kind of a really weird time for me because I was always used to going off and doing something with one of my friends or like being able to distract myself in that way. So when I moved down here, I just had this thought, shoot, I, I don't have any plans. <laughs> I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have anyone to hang out with. <laughs> so I, I was kind of forced into really pursuing something else. And for me mm. at that time, it was church and that became a huge priority for me. And I, I don't think if I'm being totally transparent and honest, I don't think that would have happened for me. And my transformation really would have happened for me if everything wasn't totally taken away from mm. me. And I was kind of That's forced good. in this corner. Yeah. To really make a choice. And, you know, your, your life is full of choices and you can hang out with all these friends and do all this stuff. And, you know, do whatever you want. And that's great. And it's powerful to have friendships and that's impactful and it's important to have a strong community. But for me, what fulfills me emotionally, spiritually, mentally, even physically, what inspires me to do better at all those roles that I have outside of my identity is to go to church and to be filled up because I've found for myself, I can't give to others if I'm not whole within myself. Right. And I think when I did move here, I was pushed into that. And I realized, you know, I don't want to be friends with people who are out partying all the time. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to live that way. That's not healthy for me. That's not really who I am when I'm in that environment. You know, I can pretend and put on this show like, oh, this is so exciting. This is so fun. But deep down, I, I truly do feel uncomfortable. And that's something that I was talking to, you know, 
Andrew, my cousin, about that, just saying it's I'm in this place where I'm learning how to not apologize for being who mm, I really am. That's really and, good. You know, if people don't like me because I really love God, then that's okay. Amen. And I don't have to hang out with all these people who probably don't even really care about me. And I remember when I was really young, my mom always used to tell us, you know, you know, you're really lucky if you find a couple really loyal friends and it's not about you. It's not personal. It's just, it's very hard to find very loyal people in your life. And I'm really blessed in the sense that my best friend in the world, Ashley, I met her when I was in high school and I remember it because I was sitting alone and no one would sit next to me in class because personal stuff was happening with my family and people thought I was weird and they were bullying me. And she came up to me and sat down right next to me. And that was a moment that really changed my life because little did I know there was someone who was sitting next to me who was going to be the friend that I needed in, on every platform and every mm. phase of life and in every moment. And I think God shows up for you in that way. And I do think that our society kind of lies to us in a sense that tells us, oh, you know, like you have to have all these friends. You have to have all these people around you really feel important. And that's just not true. I I do believe when you're serving God and you're putting your heart out to do the right thing and you're literally letting God be the author of your life and you're not trying to control everything, he provides for you in a supernatural way. So for me, the balance of, you know, working a full-time job, coaching, being a good friend, going to church, it's definitely hard. But like I was previously saying, I can only be good at those things if, you know, I'm good internally and I'm doing well spiritually. Yes. that And, you know, talking about your friend, Ashley, and her stepping in at that exact uh, time when God knew what you needed exactly in that time. That's so phenomenal. And I can look back over my life at different uh, situations, probably not that dramatic of what you were going through in that season, but we're just, I didn't expect this friendship that came across my path. And some of them are seasonal and some of them have been lifetime friendships, but I see where each one of them challenged me and helped me to become a better me in the Lord. Yeah. For sure. That That's fantastic. And another thing I liked that you said that was phenomenal is don't apologize for being you. That's so good. And when we can come to that place in the Lord, and we're going to close this podcast out on that, and we're going to absolutely have a, this is, will be part one. There will absolutely be a part two following this right up. So please be sure to tune into that, but it, don't ever apologize for being you. Um, somebody said recently, and I wish I could give the credit where it was due, but it may have been A.W. Tozer because I'm reading one of his books, but what they pointed out was you never see Jesus apologizing. Exactly what you just said. Jesus never once apologizes for his actions and his statements that we that we have access to. And I thought that was phenomenal because he he's the ultimate, obviously, right, of being rooted and grounded in knowing who he is. He knew he was the father's and the father was his. He knew that. So 
Um, that's such a phenomenal point that I think when we can come to that place of what you said, Brittany, where we're confident in the Lord, we, we're grounded in Him, and we just simply do not have to apologize for life choices that we're making based on that very relationship with the Lord. 